13th Psalm. I want us to think a little bit tonight in verses 7 through 11 of Psalms 19 about God's Word, the Bible. Now, as I speak concerning this tonight, I have particular reference to and regarding what we have and and what I'm so used to and what I love and what I was saved by uh, the revised version of the 1611. And it's been here for around for us for a, a good while. But let's read these words beginning in verse 7 in Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. The fear, I just read that, didn't I? Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Verse 11 says, Moreover, by them, these testimonies, these statutes, this law, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Thank you. And I want to share a few things. I'm sure everybody knows, but... I don't mind sharing some things that uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But the King James Version is, consists, of course, 66 books of holy, inspired, God-breathed word as he gave it to those holy men of God as they spake. Now, there's no questions about that. There are also 1,189 chapters in the Bible. 31,175 verses in our Bible. There are 810,697 words in our Bible. 3,568,489 letters or characters in the Bible. Psalms 18.8 is the middle of the Bible. The shortest verse, of course, is John 11. 35, where Jesus wept. And 2 Kings. And, and I didn't even write that for that one, because I don't remember. The longest name in the Bible is found in Isaiah 8. It's uh, Basher Halahashbad, I believe. Anybody can keep up with that name. You're doing better than I can. That was a guy... And there's another lady in the Bible that's named, and she has about two or three letters less in her name than that. And that's probably where nickname started. You know, you'd be out to move to say hello by the time you got the names said to each other if you 
didn't just use hay bay, you know, and that kind of thing. So, but anyway, our word of God, the word of God was 1,600 years in being completed from the time that Moses wrote the first five books that we have of the Bible called the Pentateuch. This was done as he was leading Israel through the wilderness. Okay? There before, and even at Noah's day, there was no written word of God that people had. God taught Adam and Eve a lot of things. I think a lot more than we imagined that he did before they were driven out of the garden. And they taught their children, and their children taught their children. Generations passed down the things that God instructed them to do, what sin was and what the sacrifices were for and what they meant and why the shedding of blood, why the death was necessary, why these things were involved in all of the things that finally ended up being at a place called a tabernacle where God first promised to meet with a gathering of his children. Prior to that, Job and Abraham, all of these, they made personal or family offerings. It was not a collective group until the tabernacle, and then when it was completed, God came and manifest his glorious presence over it and certainly appeared uh, at the mercy seat in the tabernacle. Forty different writers from every walk of life. The writers go from farmers to doctors. It just runs the gamut of, of the society classes, if you will, and it runs the total table of backgrounds and uh, the personalities and all of these things. And God did not eliminate these when he spoke through these men because their character shines in each book, each author of it. And yet with 40 different persons at different times over 1,600 years, there is a perfect unity to every jot and tittle of God's holy word. There are no discrepancies. There are no passages that are verse or words or teaching that is in disharmony with any of the other teachings of the Word of God. And this Bible has salvation as the purpose that God gave it to reveal to fallen mankind their sin, their need of a Savior, and also to show them who that Savior is and how and what we must do to be saved. There is a holiness as the end of the Word of God. It even says the Holy Bible. Mine's wore out, but it did say that once upon a time. And it is the Holy Bible. The Word of the Holy God. And it is designed to make us holy as we live upon this earth. Jesus Christ is the theme of all the Word of God. If you read a chapter or 
whatever, and you don't get something about Jesus Christ, you missed the theme that it was in. And it has heaven as the promise for those who obey. Now, tonight, I hate to say, but I got about six points, but we'll just jump on them, get through them, and if you make notes, fine. You can you can add to them whenever you want to. But I see that the Bible is a book of great power. The power is because it is the Word of God. And we know that the power of the Word of God was such that there was totally nothingness but an empty black vacuum which only God existed in in the glorious trinity. And then God said, let there be. And out of nothing, God, by the power of his word, brought into being all of the splendid beauties of a starlit night, the glorious glory of a sunrise or sunset, the beauty of a snow-covered earth, the fragrance of roses. God could have made this earth and us where we only saw black and white. He really could. God could have made this place and all that's in it where that honeysuckles had no fragrance. But boy, I'd have missed a lot, I'll tell you right now. I found out that they don't only smell good, but if you pull the stems out of them, they got some pretty sweetness on the end of them. God could have taken that away, not given us any taste buds. But God created the earth from nothing to everything that it be inhabited. We should use this earth and never abuse this earth for our pleasure in His glory, for therein He placed us and gave us this thing. So God's power is seen, I think, in uh, verse 7, where it is perfect, the law of Lord, the Lord is perfect. How powerful is the Word of God? It is the only instrument that God has ever said has power to save a sinner. Is the glorious good news of Jesus Christ, His gospel, has the only thing that can bring one from death to life out of the spiritual darkness of depravity into the glorious light of a new birth in Jesus Christ, out of the gloom and doom of, of eternal damnation and to the blessed hope of a glorious resurrection and being conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. We have all of that because God's Word tells it to us. We would not know if God had not told us. Matter of fact, we had not known sin except the law. Paul said, and of course, he said, except the law said, thou shalt not covet. But it says a lot of other things, too. And I guarantee you, 
that while Paul was first broken by the Tenth Commandment, he certainly was guilty in his life and would be the first to say, I broke them all, and I'd say, yes, I have too. Maybe not all in flesh, but you know, Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, he kind of illuminated mankind to the reality that there is a spirit to the law, not just a dead letter. Thou shalt not commit adultery in what Jesus say. I tell you, if you look upon a, a woman or man to lust after them, you've done committed adultery already in your heart. So, I mean, don't tell me that we're not guilty. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Whoa! I never murdered anybody. Well, maybe. Maybe so. Anyway, the Bible has this power of perfection. It has this power to convert one from idols, from self-worth, from pride, from all types of manner of things that God hates. It has the power to confirm us and to bring us out of that and into a place where we can walk in fellowship with God, the Holy Spirit, leading us, speaking to us, guiding us, and causing us to rejoice and enjoy it. The Word of God, listen to this last part, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Preacher, how in the world can you make claims that this is so and it's absolutely so? Well, because the words of God are sure. He doesn't leave it. Well, maybe. I don't know if you've ever realized it or not, but Jesus Christ never said to anyone on the face of this earth, I don't know, but I'll try to find out. You got that? He had never said, I just can't do that. He never said, well, I'll do the best I can. Those words are not in God's vocabulary. Those phrases are far from Him. His word is sure. It is certain. It is dependable. And we may rest our very eternal soul upon what thus saith the Lord and be at peace and be sure for the testimonies of the Lord is sure. You want to know how powerful it is? He can make wise the simple. You don't believe that. If I've got any wisdom in me, it's from God. I promise you that. Because you're talking about simple. No phrase, no phrase that they used around home if they was talking about something or someone that they thought was not real smart. My nickname was Time. Can't imagine why. But anyway, that's what it was. And they picked up this phrase, as dumb as Time. And they were talking about it, something was as dumb as I was. Now, hey, I earned it. I earned it. But God... Through his word and the enablement of his spirit has given me some understanding about what he's said and what he's going to do. And I understand it enough to be sure. And what I understand is not simple anymore. He has given me some wisdom about God's word and some knowledge about God's word. Although I think I've forgotten over the years more than I ever knew, but still, 
There's a little bit there, and I praise God for it. Fifty-some years, friends, I've been trying to preach the Word of God. And I feel like I'm just about ready to get started with studying it. That's just the truth. It don't make any difference what and how often. Whenever I read and study, he'll still give me something new. It's never exhausted. It always has more. It is inexhaustible. That's verse 7. It shows the power of the statutes of God and His Word. Then in verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I see in this great pleasure. You want to be happy? Trust Jesus Christ. You want to be happier? Make a daily part of the Word of God your life. Let me show you. Watch this. If you read three chapters each weekday, Monday through Friday, Two, four chapters on Saturday and Sunday, in less than a year, you'll have read through the Bible. Through the Bible. Just 15 or 20 minutes a day. And you'll read it every year of your life. All it takes is just commitment to do it and stick to it. That's all it takes. How many... I'm not going to ask for any show of hands. How many have read straight through all of it? Well, if you hadn't, get started. Get started. Make it a part of your life. And you'll be surprised. After you have gone about four or five years reading it through like that, then you'll begin to have an understanding of what God's Word says and it's about. It just doesn't come instantly, and it always grows. But the promise of verse 8 is great pleasure. It says, the statutes of the Lord are right. It rejoices the heart. It makes you happy. And I've had times that I would leave home and... matter of fact, I've had times I was in the bed on Sunday morning, and I said, I'll tell you one thing, honey, if I wasn't... If I wasn't a preacher, I wouldn't be there today. She said, well, shut your mouth and get up and get ready. You are. Well, not exactly. <laughs> but uh, I got the, I got the message. And I've, I've gone to the house of God just from absolutely determined. It didn't make any difference what anybody did. Nobody was going to get a smile out of me today. And day gone. First one I run into is just laughing and carrying on and shaking hands with everybody and me, and they just smile at me so big, I just couldn't help but smile back. And I went away from the house of God like I should have went to the house of God. And I enjoyed it a lot more, and getting ready would have been so nearly as tough. Look forward to these opportunities. God's Word is a pleasure giver. It rejoices your heart. It refreshes your mind. It renews your spirit. It will cause you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ like nothing on this earth can do. 
Lord and Savior Jesus said to search the Scriptures, you guys. He's talking to scribes and Pharisees, Sanhedrins and rulers of the Jews, priests. You search the Scriptures. If you ever understand them, you'll realize that they testify of me. You know, so when you learn about more about Jesus and see Jesus Christ, if you're saved, you just can't help but rejoice in that. You can't get out of it. I don't care if you don't want to. It's got a power and a pleasure giving to it. And the commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Makes them sparkle. Makes them have a kind, loving look to them. And that's good. That's great pleasure. And then we see that in verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right. Well, we just done that, didn't we? Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. I see in this great purity. Great purity. Now, I know you've everyone heard this, but you don't ever hear it enough. Sin will keep you from the Bible, or the Bible will keep you from sin. Light and darkness don't dwell together. Light dispels darkness and reveals it for what it is. And sin is one of the most horrid things that this earth knows. It brings a penalty that nothing else has. The wages, the payday for sin is death. You can't avoid it. But God has a gift. That is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the purity of God's Word. It brings us to a right and I believe reverential type of fear and respect for God that you can't have if you're not a student of the Word of God. You can be saved, but you'll never enjoy the fullness that God has for you until you make His Word as much a part of your life as breathing. You say, that's an involuntary reflex. Well, maybe, but we ought to have that with the Bible too. You ought to do it, because it'll make you pure. It'll make you pure. You won't get it from any of the things online. You won't get it from TV. You won't get it from anywhere but God's Word. It will have a purifying impact upon an individual, and the individuals can make a purifying impact upon the body of Christ. And in verse 10, we learn that the Bible is a great possession. It's a great possession. More to be desired are they. And he's talking about this law, these statutes, these commandments. He's just talking about the Word of God. 
The Word of God is more to be desired than gold. Now, I don't expect anyone in the world to agree with that. But I do expect every child of God to say, that's true and amen, I agree. Some have said, I wouldn't trade this for the same amount of gold. And I said, that depends on whether I can get another or not. <laughs> you know, sometimes people make statements uh, that they don't think through. If I could not get another, then I wouldn't trade it for its weight in gold. Or diamonds or rubies or any combinations thereof. All of that will one day dissolve like snow. Pass away as if they never existed. But God's Word is settled forever in heaven. And it will always be there. And we can rejoice in that. And it is certainly a glorious and good thing to have. This Bible I see in verse 11 is also a great protection. Moreover, by them, and again, the them are the statutes, the commandments, the law, the things that they've been talking about. By them is thy servant warned. How do we know what sin is? How do we know what God would have us do? How do we know God wants us to meet in His house and worship Him? How do we know that? Well, the simplistic answer is because the Word of God instructs us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And if you look a little before that, He gives us the reasons why. It is to worship God. It is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. It is, but it is also to encourage one another. It is also to do what we can to bear one another's burdens. It's to do things that we can do to help a one who is stumbling to get up and one who is struggling to get along. And, and we have these things. There's more purpose than one to come into the house of God. But every one of them brings with it a great, great protection. Or if we help others, if they be overtaken by a fault or sin, then the spiritual ones seek to restore that one. You know, Galatians 6 is still part of the Word of God, right? Or am I mistaken? Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't have to run and tell everybody we can see and make sure it gets spread real fast. But we're to endeavor to in the spirit of meekness help one another. Bring them back. Bring them back. I'll tell you, dear friends, love will cover a multitude of sin. And it can overlook things. Love endures everything. And it'll never fail. So that's what the Word of God is here to us. By them, thy servant is warned. And then it is also a great prophet. There is great prophet in God's Word. The closing part of verse 11 says, And in keeping of them, there is great reward. Now, I don't know how you think about it, but when God brands something as a great reward, you know what I think it is? 
a great reward. And when God declares something to be great, as Tony the Tiger says, it's great! And you can believe it. You might not believe Tony the Tiger, but you better believe God. And he says there's no prophet available on anything in this world more than his word. In the keeping of it, there is great reward. And we can rejoice in the fact that God's word was given to us. We live in the period of the most enlightened blindness this world has ever known. I mean, they're enlightened to everything, but blind to God. It matters not if they discover, I don't care what it is. Matters not how far they go in space. Matters not how deep they go under the earth. It does, that's really immaterial. But if you miss God and His Son Jesus Christ and His sacrificial atonement, you've done missed it all. You've done missed it all. So realize these things about God's Word. It is a great power. It brings great pleasure. Great purity. It is a great possession. More than fine gold. It is a great protector. And it brings great profit. Now friends, this ought to be enough to at least encourage us to glance at it now and then. No, I think it ought to be enough for us to realize that it's more important than a newspaper or a magazine or a love novel, romance novel, whatever you call them. Judy loved them. And she wanted to, I like these Christian romance novels. I said, okay. Kind of like a misnomer to me, but anyhow. To me, God's Word is the greatest love story ever written. It tells of a holy God in three eternal, powerless, powerful, omnipotent beings united as one. And it tells of a love that He had for a people that was so great that He created a perfect environment for them to live and we destroyed it. But He still loved them. He still loves us. And He says there's only one way that righteousness and peace could kiss each other. And that is in the person of Jesus Christ as He makes atonement for our sins in His body on the tree. Now if that's not a love story for the ages... There will never be one. Oh, how I love Jesus. I don't know if y'all sing that here or not. It's kind of like sweet hour of prayer. I feel a bit condemned when I sing either one. Because I do love Jesus.
and it's because he first loved me. But I don't love him like I should, and more worse than that, I don't love him like I could. And I don't know if I have ever spent a solid hour of unbroken or unceasing prayer to God in my life. But we'll just stand up and sing sweet hour of prayer, won't we? And if it's ten minutes, we feel like it's been an awful long prayer. We're microwave people. Got to get it done. Got to get it done quick. But God is in no hurry. He has a time and a purpose for everything under the sun. And it'll be just exactly like that. God bless you. I am so honored to be with you, as always. As I was telling one of the brethren here tonight, it seems so different to me than it ever has before. And I know it does to you too. We're just going to keep on going, right? You know, we should quit ourselves like men. When should a man quit? When he's dead. You ought to serve God as long as you got breath in your body and hot blood flowing. These gifts of God, we owe Him worship if He gave us nothing else. But look what He has. God bless you. Thank you for your time.